I praise God for you. You bless my heart every time, and I am blessed again today as well. We are in a series on foundational values. Foundational values as we see them in the Ten Commandments. And foundational values as we live in a world that is a value vacuum world. God has a lot to say to us. We're looking at the third of the Ten Commandments this morning. I can summarize this one with just one sentence. God says, take my name seriously. That's what he's telling us. A fellow by the name of Paul Dickerson has written a book, and the title of his book is Names. He has this habit of gathering unique names and putting them in a book that he has written. Let me tell you some of these names, and you, find, you think about how you would like to be called by these names. Madalena Babeljack, Cletus Plodfelter, Adeline Dingaline, Rotten Earp. These are real names. Jingle Bell Kaplan, Beverage Moose, Craven Tart. He has some other names that are interesting, and he says some other things. He said a lot of names are prophetic when you think about them. There were two men executed in 1941 in Florida. One of them was named, and this is the truth, one of them was named Will Byrne. And the other one was Frizzle. They were both electrocuted in Florida. He went on to say that there was a Montreal window cleaner in the highest skyscrapers that tragically fell to his death while he was cleaning a window. His name was Will Drop. You want to laugh, but you know you shouldn't, don't you? Others seem to have names that are destined to become uh, occupations for them because of their name. One of those is Joe Bunt. You can imagine. He was a baseball coach. Dan Druff was a barber. Jeff Treadwell was a podiatrist. Two men who became policemen and, on, and were worked together as a team on the same police force had the names Go Forth and Ketchum. That was their names. This is true. Two guys, O'Neill and Prey, owned a church supply company. I thought that was great. And then one fellow, bless his heart, was a plaster contractor, and his name was Will Crumble. <laughs> I'm not sure you'd want to hire him or not. What's in a name, anyway? God says, when it's my name, there's a whole lot in it. And I want you, if you have your copy of God's Word, to turn with me to the 20th chapter of Exodus. I'm going to be reading one verse, the seventh verse from that 20th chapter. In honor of God's word, I want to ask you to stand alone, along as I read aloud this passage of scripture. You can follow in your copy of God's word. Exodus 20, verse 7. 
You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Most of us have no idea what in vain means. We're going to find that out before this day is over with. The first phrase of the model prayer is, you know it, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. We're not sure what hallowed means either, are we? Would you pray with me? Father, as your people, we do seek your face. For national revival, for spiritual awakening. But Father, help me to understand and to first remember that I as an individual must confront and confess the sin in my life and repent and turn to you before you will do anything in our nation. Father, cause me to realize that and to live that in my life. I pray for repentance that believers, as we are at crossroads, will be willing and able to identify and to turn away from everything in our lives that you would consider an idol or an abomination. Father, sometimes we don't even know it's there, it seems. And Father, as we hallow your name, help us, Lord, to cause your name to be known and feared and loved and cherished and admired and praised and trusted because of our lifestyle and ministry. Hallowed be your name. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you, and you may be seated. I hope that you will take your outline and you will fill in the blanks on that as we look at God's Word together this morning. That word in vain, as we talked about a moment ago, is an interesting word. And I looked that up not too long ago. And to take one's name or to God's name in vain simply means to be irreverent with it, irreverent with it, throwing it around in false affirmation or false ways that call into question the character of God. You see, if I live a life that disregards God, then I'm actually bringing detriment against His name before the world. And so God says, I want you to realize my name is important. Don't take it in vain. Let me tell you why or what a name represents, and then you'll understand why we don't need to take it in vain. A name represents your reputation. Have you ever heard somebody say, well, that guy's making a name for himself? Maybe you've heard someone say, that guy has got a good name. Or maybe you're looking for someone to do something at your house and around your house and somebody tells you, that guy's got a bad name. He's got a poor name. Our name represents our reputation, who we are and what we are doing. When I say a name, you'll automatically think of their reputation. 
Hitler, Elvis Presley, Mother Teresa, Martin Luther King, Billy Graham, you automatically think of their character. Our name is associated with our character. It represents our character. Let me give you a second thing that your name represents, that my name represents. It represents not only our reputation, but also our character. Our character. What you are cannot be separated from your name once the two are put together. People will remember it forever, it seems like. And that's the way it is. You remember, in the fact, when people named their children, they would use character blocks or character names for them. Character such as honesty and justice and loyalty. Many times in the Bible, when God changed somebody's character, he gave them a new name to match their character. You know that. Abram became Abraham, Sarai, Sarah, Jacob, Israel. Peter, you remember, became Simon, or Simon became Peter. God gave them a name to match the character that he had given them. So our name represents reputation, our name represents our character, but our name also, one's name also, represents authority. Authority, it's getting less so it seems like in this country, But if someone says stop in the name of the law, that name has character with it. We'll stop right there. Most of us will. We won't go against that. We realize that there is authority with that name, the police, the sheriff, or whoever it may be. If you're eating lunch today, while you're sitting there at the table eating your lunch, and your phone goes off, you reach up in your pocket, and you give your phone, you look at it and say, oh, that's so-and-so. I'll call him back after a while. But if you pull out your phone, and on the screen of your phone is the name John Calipari, I have a feeling you'll answer that right now. You see, authority means something to us. And we do not take that lightly at all. Names represent authority. Our name and our actions should not go against the authority of God or misrepresent His name or defame his reputation in our life. My character and my authority should be used to bring honor to God, not to be used carelessly or flippantly. For most of us, when we think of taking God's name in vain, we think of profanity and swearing, and that is part of it, but there's a lot of other ways we take God's name in vain, and I want you to know some of those today also. The first one I'm going to talk about is the way that we misuse the name of God or God's name is misused is, is using God's name to insult. That's profanity. That's swearing. We'll just start with that one. I'm, that's the most common one. That's used, done a lot in our nation and in the world that we live in. Using God's name, swearing, profanity, whatever words that you want to use for that. God says expressly, we're not to do that. We're not to curse or cheat in any way that would defame his name. Someone made this statement, probably a golf player. He said, speaking about golf, he said, if lying and cheating is a sin, golf ought to be outlined, outlined, uh, ought to be uh, 
dialogue. That's my wife over there echoing this to me. Amen. Years ago, I read this story about a farmer who was late getting home for supper one evening. And his wife asked him, said, was there trouble with the wagon? Did it break down or whatever? He said, no. He said, about halfway home, I picked up the minister. He wanted to ride with me for a ways and said, from there on all the way home, those mules couldn't understand a word I said. Now, you'll put that together in a minute. You know about that. Okay, you got one. That's great. Let me tell you about this nation we live in. It's the most foul-mouthed nation on the face of the earth. If you don't believe that, you talk to other people in other countries. I can remember, I thought about this the other day. I I, I can remember growing up, I'm older than most of you in this place, I remember growing up that you never heard a woman use a curse word of any means. I mean, men did it, but women didn't. And now... It's the same for both of them. There's no difference. You see it in both males and females. If it's not R-rated, nobody wants to go see it. It If it doesn't have profanity in it, people don't want any part of it. Our theaters are filled with it. Our television is filled with it. Our magazines are filled with it. Uh, Even our video games have warnings on them because of the language in them. And the most dirty mouth in our nation make us laugh the most. The comedians who will use God's name every way and everybody thinks it's funny. I want to tell you something. It seems impossible to get away from hearing it. No matter where you go or who you are. You ever notice how many things are described with hell or equated to hell? You ever think about that? Weather, intelligence, temperament, and everything else. Let me tell you something. They don't even come near to what hell is like. And yet we use those kind of words all the time, it seems like. Why do people use profanity? When I was growing up, I remember my parents telling me that people use profanity because they didn't have a good vocabulary and they had to use it. They couldn't think of anything else to say. Well, I think that's part of it, but I think that's a small part of it now. I don't think it's that way at all. I think people use profanity for other things as well. I think they use that profanity for the shock value. I think they just want you to see when they beller that out between their teeth what is really going on. They want to impress you with a shock value when they use those words and use God's name in such a vanity way. You may remember the first time you said a curse word and you really thought you'd done something big. I can remember that. Weak people have to use strong words. The psalmist in 59 verse 7 said, there there they are bellowing with their mouth with swords in their lips, spewing out swords in their lips with what they're saying and what they're doing. Any idiot can swear. Parrot can swear. It doesn't take very much to do that. Profanity does not exhibit your masculinity or your whatever you want it to represent in your life. It doesn't do, it's not that at all. It doesn't, it doesn't represent your liberation. It represents a whole lot to God. Let me tell you something. That will do nothing for you, that kind of language. 
except render you guilty before God. Psalms 109, verse 18, he clothed himself with cursing as his coat. He put on cursing on his life as a person would put on their coat on a cold day. It was that easy for him to do so. It's not an indicator of your maturity. Friend, I want to tell you something. And it sure is an indicator of your self-control. Let's talk about another way that we use God's name, that it's misused. First, to insult. Number two, using God's name to indulge. Using God's name to indulge. We excuse ourselves for things that go on, and we blame God for those. Well, really, God, you're the reason for this, we say. In our mind, we may not say it out loud, but we want to blame God for it. You know, you've heard people say when you ask them to do something, or in a church especially, you'll, they'll say, I don't feel led. Have you ever thought what that really means? means I don't feel led. Well, it, it's, it's a term that means or infers that I have gone to God and I've listened to what he tells me and that's what it's all about. We throw that around when we may never even gone to God to ask him about this or that or the other. Well, I just don't feel led that that's what I'm supposed to do right now. I don't feel led to do that. Let me tell you, some people, the only lead they feel is a lead in their britches. They don't, they don't know anything about being led by God. And it's something that they throw around that helps us to indulge using his name to hide behind his name. God gets blamed for so much because we don't want to take the blame for it. You know, every way we can do. I hear people say everything that God has told them. Uh, I've listened. It would surprise you the number of men that have come to me and one woman in my years as a pastor who said, God has told me to leave this marriage. I mean, they were as sincere as they could possibly be. They're blaming it on God. God told me I could leave my wife or my spouse and I could go find another one. God says using his name to cover your indulgence is a sin. We're not to do that at all. Leviticus 19.12 says, You shall not swear by my name falsely and so profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. Don't you make promises in my name that you don't keep or that you don't even intend to keep. It brings disgrace against my name, he says. Don't indulge God's name for what you want or what I want. Let me give you a third way that we misuse God's name. We misuse God's name, or we use God's name to intimidate. To intimidate. We're pros at that. If you're in a church, you really learn to be good at that. You may say, God told me to tell you to do this. I've had that said to me so many times as a pastor. Ken, I think this is what God wants. He's been talking to me. I think this is what God wants you to do. I try to be gracious and I try to tell him, well, I'm going to wait till he tells me. And most of the time he has not told me that. Maybe you see this intimidation if you watch very many television pastors or evangelists. God wants you to do this. They're quick and easy to say. Parents, we're guilty of this. 
when we have a child that doesn't respond to corporal punishment or restrictions or whatever it is, the privileges that we may take away, then after a while, I've been in homes where I've looked at parents when they were talking to their children, and I remember them saying, God's going to get you for this. They're just sort of behind God's name. They're misusing God's name. You be careful how you use God's name. James 5.12 says, But above all, my brothers, do not swear, neither by heaven or by earth or any other oaths. Let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. We're spiritual forgers. Have you ever thought about that? We are. You know what forgery is? When you try to get the advantage by using somebody else's name that hasn't given you permission to use it that way. That's a felony in our courts. God says you're a spiritual forgery. Be careful how you represent God and what you say that God has said. We misuse his name. Let me give you another way we misuse his name. When we use God's name to impress, now listen carefully, this is a lot of us. Insecure believers do this a lot, I think. We try to prove our spirituality by using as much of the names of God as we possibly can a lot of times. Let me explain. There's nothing wrong with saying the names of God in the right way. But let me tell you about this. Sometimes we feel like that it shows our spirituality when we can just use God's name in this place or this place or this place. You be sure you're doing it right in in his name. Listen, I want to tell you something. Don't talk, don't impress God. It's the lifestyle that makes the difference. That's what makes the difference. That's what we should do. Listen, you know, I know people when they pray, they'll just change the tone of their voice a little bit. I know preachers who do that. You know, you sound sometimes like you just swallowed an offering basket or something. You know, everything's just changed. We're trying to impress people in what, who we are or what we're not. You make sure that when you use his name, it comes from a great love and reverence of the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. God's Word tells us that in Titus 1.16, they profess to know God, but they deny Him by their works. We take God's name in vain when we claim to be committed, but we haven't backed it up. People know, probably if they know you very well, that you're a child of God, that you attend church, that you claim to be a Christian. Does your lifestyle back that up? Does it? They profess to know God, but they deny Him by their works. We do that. Friend, unless you are meeting Him daily, obeying Him as He tells you what to do, then I want you to know that your lifestyle is not matching what you say with your mouth. We're not to use or misuse God's name. Let me give you another one, using God's name impulsively. Just using it impulsively, right off the bat. We just let it slip out. We fall into this. It's convenient to use it as an expression 
or fear or anger or joy or amazement or whatever it may be. Say things like this, Oh my God, what a fish. He found out Susie was pregnant. Oh my Lord. I hear those all the time. Friend, that is taking his name in vain. I want you to understand that. What has happened, his name has become a level of far out. It's an expletive. It's an exclamation point for what we want to get across. I know it just comes impulsively with us because we've done it so many times. God says, don't use my name that way. Do you know heaven, yes, is just as flippant as hell no when we use it in terms like that. God says, this is what I want from you. It's a danger to render lip service and not back it up with who we really are. Let me ask you, have you ever sang a song to the names of God while your mind was a million miles away? That's taking God's name in vain. Understand that. It's impulsively, it's rote. We can just sing those songs in our mind and we don't even have to think about God. God says, don't do that. Don't do that. Isaiah 29, 13. Listen to this in the Amplified. Then the Lord said, Because this nation approaches me only with their words and honors me only with their lip services, but they remove their hearts far from me and their reverence for me is a tradition that is learned by rote without any regards for its meaning. Did you hear that? They just do this because they've been doing that ever since they've been in church. They've been making that phrase, they've been saying those words ever since they learned them the first time. Some man taught them those. They never think about it. Matthew 6, 7, And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Do you ever get in the habit of habitual prayers or phrases and prayers? Now, don't be so pious. I imagine every one of us have a little old prayer that we just sort of locked in our memory for thanking God for the meal. And if we're hungry, we can just cut a lot of it off where we need to. God says, don't do that. God says, don't do that at all. That's not what we're supposed to do. We have these standard prayers. You ever use God's name for a filler in your prayer? Let me just say something, friend. It's perfectly all right. I will give you permission. You can pause in a prayer until you think next what you want to talk to God about. It's all right. It's all right. Don't let his name be a filler. Make sure you really mean what you're saying. 
Barner in one of his surveys found out that 63% of Americans who responded say that they have taken the Lord's name in vain. I want to tell you if they were truthful, 100% of us have taken the Lord's name in vain. And you know what we ought to do? We ought to repent of it right today, right now. God, I've been taking your name in vain. Your holy, awesome name in vain. Don't do that. Don't do that. Psalms 111, verse 9, holy and awesome is his name. It's to be handled that way. He's very serious about his name. From this list of the Ten Commandments, the important values of life, number three says, don't misuse my name. Don't misuse my name. It's not a misdemeanor. It's a felony. Do you know in Leviticus... Chapter 24, if you cursed God or if you misused his name in a way it wasn't supposed to be used, you would be killed. Makes you thank God you're living now, doesn't it? That's how important and how serious it was and how serious he feels about his name. We offend God when we do this. And we do it and we don't think we're offending him. We think it's all right. God, I realize... How serious this is. For the Lord will not hold him or her guiltless when taking his name in vain. Let me give you one other thing that's two parts. We're not to misuse his name, but the second, how do you use God's name correctly? There's enormous blessings when you use God's name correctly. I don't know if you know that or not. But I want to tell you, when you go through God's Word and you pick out His names, there's over a hundred names that He's given Himself. Almost in every one of those names, you'll find a blessing attached to that name. When you use that name in a proper way, there are blessings. There's many promises that if we honor and reverence God's name, there are incredible blessings that go along with doing that. Blessings that most of us have missed out on. How to use God's name correctly. In reverence, first of all. Reverence God's name continually. Every time you think about it, every time you speak it, speak his name with the utmost respect to God. Be careful. Use it lovingly. Use it as an act of worship when you say that name. Don't let it slip out flippantly of your mouth. When you say God, mean it with your heart. Mean it with your heart. Psalms 29 verse 2, Give unto the Lord the glory due unto His name. That means honor. Give Him honor due to His name. That's the reason Alice and I don't go to R-rated movies. We just don't go. I want to tell you something. I'm not going to pay money to watch somebody blaspheme my Savior. You say, well, Ken, that don't bother me. I want to tell you something. It bothers God. And if it bothers God, it ought to bother you if you're his child. It's what he tells us. Tells us that. Listen, what goes in my mind will eventually come out of my mouth if I feed it there long enough. We need to know it bothers God. And let me just say something graciously and as nice as I know how. It's all right for you to say when somebody uses that language around you, It's all right for you to say, I wish you wouldn't do that. That name's very important to me. 
Tony Capallo says that when somebody uses that around him, he'll look at them and he'll say, hey, do you love your mother-in-law? If you don't love your mother-in-law, you start doing that to her name. That name you're using means something to me. You can do that. I'm talking about doing it graciously. But say something that God's name means something to you. And let me just also say, parents in our home is the number one place where we put God number one. It ought to be that way in our home, where our children are, where we're around them and they're around us. There's a lot of ways we defame God's name in our homes. And a lot of times we didn't know about it. Let me tell you something. Don't, when you do that, don't say, oh, that was just a mistake, a slip out of my mouth. You just ask God to forgive you and tell your children, you're sorry you did that. You know what? When our children come home from school and they come home from school being taught, as was taught in our schools, that the, the earth was created by happenstance, I want to tell you something. That's taking God's name in vain. Don't you back that up in your home. Yeah, that's what they're being taught, but you can tell your, ch- your children that God created that. Give glory to his name in all of this. We are to know God's name and to use it in reverence. Psalms 9 verse 10, And those who know your name put their trust in you. All those different names of God. We, talk, we talked about those a while ago. Love and justice and holiness and a covenant-keeping God and the promises and all those things. Find those. Get God's blessings from those names as you use them in loving care as you go over the names of God. If you know just one or two names of God, you don't know God very well. There are so many more names that describe His character and who He is. When I reference God's name in the right way, I get to know him more. I get to know more about him. There are many benefits. Psalm 61 verse 5 says, You, God, have given me the blessing you reserved for those who reverence your name. The blessings that you give to those who reverence your name. You give them to me because I've been reverencing your name. That's what he says. How do you use God's name correctly? Reverence His name continually. Represent His name clearly. 2 Timothy 2.19 Let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. Everyone who names the name of the Lord. My lifestyle can easily insult the character of God in the world where I walk. So can your lifestyle. If I call myself a believer, I ought to act like a believer. My walk ought to match my talk. I ought to be what I'm claiming that I am. Don't let God's name be drugged through the gutter by who you are and how you represent God in the world that we live in. Don't do that. Let me tell you, many people will never become a follower of God. They'll never be born again because, number one, they've never met a true believer. And number two, they met one and that believer turned them off. And they didn't want anything to do with it. Remember that. Don't you be bad advertisement for your Lord. Guard your mouth. Let me share this last part of this. It's interesting. We have friends from First Baptist Princeton with us this morning. 
And one of them, when I preached this message, this is our second time to hear it, and they didn't get up and walk out. I'm thankful about that. But I started talking about something, and he went online and found out there was a group of these called religious euphemisms that we use, and we have no idea where they come from. I mean, we grew up with them. They don't sound bad. You know, everybody uses them that's around us. These are just slang profanity. Maybe you've never realized that. But do you realize that G is short for Jesus? It's where that came from. Heck is short for hell. Slang words. Golly is short for God. OMG. We talked about that a while ago. Oh my God. That's taking God's name in vain. Colossians 3.17 says, And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord, Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Whatever you do, give thanks to God. Well, we give thanks to God by reverencing His name continually, representing God's name clearly, and last, we're almost through, relying on God's name completely. Relying on God's name completely. Psalms 33, verse 21. For our heart is glad in Him, happy in Him, because we trust in His holy name. There's so many promises to those who honor His name, who don't take it in vain. Jesus said it like this in John 14, 13. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father be glorified in the Son. When you ask in my name, when you do it right, the Father will be glorified in the Son. Why do we close our prayers with Jesus, in Jesus' name? Well, friend, the only way we can go to the Father is through the Son, Jesus Christ. That's what and why we do that. Let me give you some life application as we close. Let me give you the bad news first. Every time I see this, I am reminded and I think of it. One day, we're going to be judged for every idle word we've said. Does that bother you? It bothers me. It bothers me. It really does. Matthew 12, 36, Christ said this, and in verse 37, I tell you that on the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word they speak. For by your words, you will be justified. Jesus said this, and by your words, you will be condemned. That's the bad news. I have a lot of careless words. Let me give you the good news. There is good news. You can skip the condemnation. Romans 8 verse 1 says, there is, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. How do you do that? How do you get in Christ Jesus? By repenting. I'm a sinner, Lord. I've disobeyed you. I have dishonored your name and I acknowledge it. I admit I'm a sinner. 
And by faith, you trust God. You trust him. You trust your whole life to him. That as you confess your sins and you turn from those sins, he will save you. He will save you just like you are. It's the way he saved all of us who are his children. You've done that? Acts 4.21 or Acts 4.12 For there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. It's in his name. John 20 verse 31 But these are written that you may believe in Jesus or that you may believe that Jesus is Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in him. You can pass from that judgment, from death to life, from condemnation to forgiveness. You ever had your mouth washed out with soap? I have. You know what? It didn't do any good. You know why? It wasn't my mouth. It was my heart. And no soap could take care of my heart. Only the Lord Jesus Christ can change my heart and your heart. He changed mine and he'll change yours if you ask him to do so. The Bible tells us, for out of the abundance of the heart, a person's mouth speaks. The mouth speaks what the heart is full of. That's what God's telling us. Would you confess that sin this morning, that sin that you have refused Jesus Christ to become the Lord of your life? And you ask him to forgive you for all those things. And by faith, you trust in him and believe him. You confess your sin. You surrender your heart and your mouth and everything else to him. And then some have come to me and said, You know, Kent, I want to tell you, I've been a child of God for a while, but I just can't help, it seems like using some of the words and some of the phrases and language that I've used before I was saved. And I know it becomes a habit. But I want to tell you how to get victory over that. Listen carefully. Practice the presence of Jesus Christ in your life. What do you mean, Kent? You begin to picture Jesus Christ walking right beside you. Because, friend, you'll never walk up to anybody that close to you and tell them, call them anything profane. You won't do that because they might just hit you in the mouth. But when you begin to realize that God's right there beside you, you'll not take his name in vain. He's right there with you. I don't know what God's telling you, what he wants in your life this morning. But I want to tell you something. You're not here by accident. The third commandment is not the one we studied by accident. I want you to know that God wants to work in your life this morning. I want to ask you to stand. We're going to have a brief invitation. I'm just asking, would you say, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to just give this to you. I don't know what he's talking to you about. Maybe something about your mouth, something in your life that he wants to make right and he's talking to you about it. Would you just do that this morning? You don't have to come here to do that. You can do that as you're standing. If you want to come, feel free to do that. God, 
I need to be changed. Would you say that right now to him and mean that? I need to be changed. Lord, would you change my life? Father, you know us. You know our hearts. And I pray this morning, Father, that as we have been here, we've heard your word. We've sang praises to you. Father, may we realize that you have a plan for our life that will guarantee all the blessings and joy and peace that you have for us if we will begin to walk as you tell us to, to walk in faith, to trust you, and to remember that your name is sacred above all other names. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you, and you may be seated. We're going to receive our offering in a minute. Uh, Let me tell you again, if you're a first-time guest, you just drop that card in there and nothing else. You're our guest. Before we receive our offering, I want to share with you <clears throat> that on in one of the worst cases of red tape that I ever heard reported was one that I read some time ago. A woman by the name of Agnes Matlock of New Hyde Park, New York. Her house caught on fire and she called the fire station And when she called the fire station to report that her house was burning, two fire stations was going to go to that fire. But they began to argue with each other about whose jurisdiction that fire was in. And they argued about it until the house burnt to the ground. She sued the city and got money for it. Let me just say this. When I listen to some of that, something like that, I want to tell you, Cadus and the world that we live in right now needs the Word of God. They need Christ. And I want to tell you as a child of God, don't you argue with God as to what money you're supposed to give Him. You just obey Him and follow Him. Friend, the world needs help today. It can't wait on you to make up your mind as to what you're going to believe about God. You just trust Him and let Him lead you and bless you as you do.